Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care number 41 and today we're going to talk about a fairly rare and niche issue in critical care, gas embolism. The venerated stone tablets of Owen's O's manual do not mention it in any great detail but my alternative and go-to textbook for these situations has been Irwin and Rip's weighty tome slash deadweight and chapter 177 here is dedicated to gas embolism syndromes. This can be quickly split into venous and arterial emboli and we'll start with the venous side. There are a few causes for this and a reproducible shortlist might include surgical causes such as uh, sitting awake craniotomy is the classic case where air gets into a venous sinus, any procedure where you have an open vein. Uh, it is worth noting when this is searched for in surgeries like this um, that are considered high risk, it is very common to find signs of air in the venous circulation on Doppler and it's a testament to the lungs as a protective filter that it doesn't cause more issues. In terms of traumatic causes, a stab wound into a big vein would be an obvious one or any major thoracic injury and from a procedural point of view, central venous catheterization um, being the most obvious one that we think of but it has been reported with peripheral IVs and even epidurals although I can't even get my head around the mechanism here. Um, ultimately, there needs to be some kind of pressure gradient from the atmosphere and the vein um, in question hence why position and vigorous respiratory effort are certainly risk factors as both induce a pressure gradient and rapid flow towards the right atrium. The air can get trapped anywhere between the entry point and the pulmonary circulation and it is then obstruction of flow through and out of the right heart that causes all the drama. Um, if you're wondering, 100 mils of air is considered to be a fatal dose. Paradoxical, well, paradoxical embolism is a very real concern here. So one in five of us is walking around with a PFO and generally it's not a problem as the slightly higher pressure in the left atrium versus the right atrium ensures that the little flap of tissue sits closed. However, in the scenario of raised right heart pressure, say when there is 50 mils of air trapped in the right ventricle, then the PFO can blow open and air can enter the left-sided circulation, converting the scenario from a venous gas embolism to the as-yet-unmentioned arterial gas embolism situation. In terms of making the diagnosis, the context here is everything. What was the situation when the hemodynamic collapse occurred? Did they rip out their vascath while sitting upright attacking staff with an IV pole prior to their cardiac arrest? There is apparently a mill wheel murmur that has been described that I suspect is useful only as an answer in an exam situation. And in reality, this will probably be a tricky echo diagnosis or a slightly late and perhaps embarrassing CT diagnosis. However, hopefully you'll have nailed it at the context stage and proceeded to go on to treatment. Treatment involves stopping any further gas entering the circulation, which will likely involve clamps on vascular devices or sticking a finger on the hole in the vessel. And the ninja move that is needed next is to lie the patient on their left side in the hope that the air lodges in the right ventricular apex and allows an unobstructed conduit from the right atrium through the right ventricle and onto the pulmonary artery. Next, you want to try and get some kind of catheter into the right ventricle and aspirate some air. This always made me think of some kind of reverse John Travolta, Irma Thurman in Pulp Fiction type of situation where you just kind of stab something into the heart. But in reality, it's going to be a fairly hastily placed central line. 100% oxygen is considered a good idea as physiologically you might replace the insoluble nitrogen in the apex of the right ventricle with pure metabolizable oxygen. But this didn't really pan out that well for pneumothorax and I suspect it is useful only in theory. But sure, go for it. This is another time to suggest hyperbaric oxygen, but again, in reality, taking a critically ill dying patient to a single person um, compression chamber seems like a recipe for disaster. But perhaps this is something that is done. So let's turn to the arterial side. So overall, the venous side will tolerate gas somewhat better than the arterial side, with the lungs acting as a big giant filter. However, once it gets big enough, you can obstruct your RV and the usual RV spiral of death begins. Air in the left side is much less problematic from a hemodynamic perspective, but neurologically is devastating. 
The list of causes is similar to those for venous gas embolisms. Many of them can shunt through a PFO. But in addition, some important ones to note include cardiac surgery. So remember, the surgeon spends so much time de-airing the heart. Um, angiography, so cardiac angiography or interventional neurological procedure. Traumatic injuries like a bronchovenous fistula will rapidly entrain blood into the left atrium and left ventricle and so on. Decompression sickness with uh, creation of bubbles in the circulation can be part of this. And carotid arterectomy being an obvious one. The pathophysiology is one of simple obstruction to flow in the brain, but there is a corresponding endothelial injury that has its own consequences and injury to the brain. The treatment here is much less exciting as all we can really do in this scenario is give 100% oxygen uh, and consider HBO. Uh, and by HBO, I mean hyperbaric oxygen, not the TV channel. So the main source for this would be Irwin and Rip's intensive care, and that's chapter 177. <laughs>